Good morning, everyone. How are you today? It is Wednesday, July 28th, and it's 1030, which means it's time for Bible study. Thank you so much for making this a part of your day. Glad you're here. Hope you're doing well. Today, we are studying Hebrews chapter 5, continuing our study of the book of Hebrews. The New Testament, is it a letter? Is it an essay? Is it a sermon? We don't know, but it's got some great stuff in it and some great stuff here today. Uh, And so I hope you enjoy this uh, as much as I enjoyed putting it together. So let's jump right in. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Every high priest chosen from among mortals is put in charge of things pertaining to God on their behalf to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward since he himself is subject to weakness. And because of this, he must offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as for those of the people. And one does not presume to take this honor, but takes it only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. All right. What does that all mean? What does that all mean? It is good, good stuff. It is good stuff. It is good stuff. So we're going to break it down into three, th- three things here. First, the job of sacrifice. The job of the priest was to uh, officiate the sacrifices in the temple, to oversee it. Um, and so uh, that's what the high priest was supposed to do. And so Jesus is our high priest, so Jesus oversees the sacrifice. Now, a little background. Uh, on the Jewish Day of Atonement, the high priest was to sacrifice for himself first to remind himself and the nation that he, too, was sinful and that he needed to atone for his sins, just like the rest of the people of Israel. That goes back to Leviticus chapter 16. So Jesus becomes our high priest who does not need to make a sacrifice for his sins because he is uh, sin-free, right? He is perfect. He is without blemish. And yet he becomes the sacrifice for our sins. So he is the high priest who oversees the sacrifice, right? Becomes the sacrifice for us, taking our place as doing the sacrifice on our behalf, lays down his life on our behalf, and becomes the sacri- the only sacrifice that we need. So uh, really interesting kind of understanding of, of high priest and sacrifice. Now it says, and he was uh, called by God just as Aaron was. So who's Aaron? Aaron is uh, the, the brother of Moses and the beginning of the line of priests. Uh, and it goes all the way back to the books of, book of Exodus where uh, Aaron becomes the uh, the priest, uh, the brother of Moses, and uh, whoever descends from Aaron can then become priests. So his family, his descendants make up the priests and the high priest, uh, those who are able to serve in the tabernacle and offer sacrifices to God. And so the high priest is generally the eldest son of Aaron, right? You have to be related to Aaron and the, the one who is the eldest son uh, or the eldest descendant becomes the high priest. And so uh Basically, you have this lineage from Moses all the way through to the New Testament where all the priests are in the line of Aaron. But Jesus comes along and Jesus isn't. And so this says, well, oh, he, he no, he was not in Aaron's line, but he was chosen by God, as it says here in verse 4. Uh, so chosen by God. Last thing to say on this, the third point. Jesus does not make himself the high priest. 
God made him the high priest. God, if you want to say God the Father, God the Creator, makes Jesus the high priest. And so it's easy to see why those from a Jewish background who understood uh, the priestly order and who understood the, the importance of the high priest, how they had a difficult time seeing Jesus as a member of the priesthood. Well, first off, he's not of Aaron's lineage. He does not come from Aaron. So if he's not from Aaron, he sh- there's no reason to believe that he would be a priest. And if you read the story of his life, he really didn't have any kind of ministry in the temple. He never went to the temple and did the things that priests do. I mean, he just really didn't come across in any way as a priest, right? Uh, and and really, instead, what we see is we, he confronts the priest. He confronts the religious structure and order of the day. And, and you know, he, the the religious structure of the day had become corrupt. It was a corrupt institution. And so Jesus challenges it and, and goes and, and argues with them and, and, and tries to teach them, but they don't want to hear it. Right. Uh, and so we see Jesus is not entering into the religious structure of the day uh, like any other priest. Uh, instead, he rises above it because he's Jesus. Right. And so it makes you makes me think, you know, if, if Jesus were with us today in the same way that Jesus was 2000 years ago, what profession would he have today? 2000 years ago, he was a carpenter. So what would he do today? You know, it, 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 it's interesting for me to think about it. He, he probably wouldn't be a pastor, right? What would he do? Who would he be? I don't know. Interesting to think about, uh, but uh, probably be a carpenter. Why wouldn't he be a carpenter? So there we go. Okay. Verses seven through nine. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Verse 8, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Verse 9, and having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Okay, lots of good stuff here. Lots of good, three points here. All right, Uh, three points. So uh, he offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. We say, wait a second. Was he heard? We know that in the Garden of Gethsemane, before Jesus was betrayed and arrested, he said, take this cup from me. This goes back to Luke 22. Like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to die on the cross. But if it be your will, then I will. And so was he heard? Was he heard and a a new option was given to him? You know, okay, you don't have to do that. We'll do it this way, right? Uh, Do we believe he was heard? Uh, So I, I think it's an important point here. It's an important point here. He was heard in that he said, whatever your will is, I will do it. Whatever your will is, I will do it. And, and he had the confidence to know that what he was doing was the will of God, right? It was the will of the Father, and so he accepted it. And so what, you know, when we pray, when we pray and, and worship on Sunday and we say the Lord's Prayer and we say, thy will be done, those are the most dangerous words we can utter because basically what we're saying is, I'm open to whatever you want my life to be. I'm open to whatever happens. I'm open for, to whatever you want me to do. May your will be done. Uh, and, and, and then we could say that we are heard when we pray that when God's will becomes clear to us and we begin to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, when we begin to live the life that God would have us live. Uh, so interesting little uh, um, point there. Verse 9, uh, Jesus becomes our high priest at his resurrection, having been perfected. 
uh, having been made perfect. Uh, so Jesus's resurrection demonstrates that he's not a priest like any other priest before uh, who had to atone for his sins right at first, and, and then he's made perfect at the resurrection. And having been made perfect, uh, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Now, here's an interesting one. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Verse 8. Um, Jesus learned obedience through suffering. So does God teach us through suffering? I think it's an important question. Uh, so is it ever God's plan for us to learn through suffering? I would say yes. I would say yes. But here's the distinction. God does not send the suffering into our lives. God does not send the difficult times into our lives. That is not of God. God does not punish us. God does not do that. But suffering is a part of life. Suffering is a part of life on earth. It's part of this broken world, this broken, sinful world. There is suffering. There is pain. And God does teach us through that. However, God is not the one who sends the suffering and the pain. I think it's an important, important lesson. Uh, so the next time something difficult happens in your life, you know, you, you, you could ask the question, well, what is God trying to teach me through this? But don't ask it in such a way that, okay, God, you've done this to me. Now what am I supposed to learn through it? Right? Uh, some, we, we put too much negativity on God. <laughs> you know, oh, God, why did you do this to me? Well, God didn't do it to you. But still, that doesn't mean that God can't use it to teach you or to guide you or to uh, bring you back closer in closer relationship. So, okay, verses 12 through 13. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic elements of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is unskilled in the word of righteousness. So this is kind of a harsh, a harsh word to those who hear it. You ought to be teachers. You've been doing this long enough. You should know the ways of the faith. You should know what you should know what I'm telling you. I shouldn't have to tell you this. You should be teaching other people, right? Now, I think it's important that we understand that there are people who have the gifts of teaching, right? Uh, a scripture tells us that in other places, right? There are people who have the gifts of teaching and their role in the church, the spiritual gift of teaching is to teach others. And then there's the role that we all have of the lives that we live should all point to Jesus. We should live a life in such that we always point to Jesus, that we're always teaching about what it means to live a life of faith, right? Um, you know, so so we should all be teachers. However, you need to, someone to teach you again the basic elements of the oracles of faith. You need milk, not solid food, verse 12. So obviously milk is a reference to those who are babies in the faith, uh, babies who can only drink milk. It's not that it's not that milk is bad. It's just that, you know, milk is where we all start. And guess what? You started and you're, you haven't gone anywhere. And so you need to start over, basically, is what the writer is saying to the listener, to, to the Hebrews. You need to start over. You, you, you need to start at square one. And sometimes we need to reset. Sometimes we need to, to go back to the beginning. Why, why is it that I'm here? Why, why am I a member of this church? Why, why am I here in worship on Sunday? You know, go back to the beginning. Go back to the baptism. Go back to the promises made in baptism. Go back to uh, what it was like to be a child and to have your parent take you to church. Go back to the beginning and start over. You know, if, if your faith has lost power in your life, why? Can you start over? Can you try again? Um, you know, are you, are, are you being fed solid food and it doesn't make sense to you because you're not in a place where you can digest 
solid food right now. It's okay. It's okay. I mean, the best thing we can do is just be honest with ourselves. Where are we? Where are we? Do we feel like we need to start over in our faith to reset, you know, to, to go back to the beginning so that to, to start with spiritual milk, right? To start with the basics, to hear the basics again, to hear the promises of God, the basics, and then to build off of that, to build off that. And so, you know, where, where do we find the spiritual milk? Where do you find the spiritual milk? And, 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 you know, how do we then grow? How do we go to the next thing, right? What does that mean? What does that look like for you? I think it's something we should all think about. In the last verse of the chapter, but solid, verse 14, but solid food is for the mature, for those whose faculties have been trained by practice to distinguish good from evil. So this is how you know if you're growing in the faith, that you have the ability to distinguish good from evil. So these Christians demonstrated immaturity by their lack of ability to figure out the difference between good and evil. So as you've matured in faith, as I've matured in faith, as we've all matured in faith, have we grown in the ability to discern that which is good and that which is evil? We're surrounded by both. We're surrounded by both. As I've grown older, I've, I've been able to recognize good. Uh, evil is sometimes harder to see, but good, when I see it, when I see goodness, uh, it's always powerful. It's always powerful. When I see kindness, when I see unexpected grace, when I see uh, generosity, I'm always taken aback by it. There are uh, so many times each day where we see goodness. Uh, but oftentimes we just go right past it. We just ignore it. We don't, we don't take the time to, to, to recognize it and to say that right there, that is goodness. I want to do that. I want to do that with my life. I want people to see me doing that. I want to share goodness. Uh, we need to know the difference between good and evil so that we can do that which is good and we can set aside and avoid that which is evil. Uh, I think this is a great, great chapter, uh, great chapter for the Hebrews 2,000 years ago great chapter for us today. May we always look for that which is good and do that which is good and avoid that which is evil. Uh, I think that's an important lesson for today. So thank you again for joining me, Hebrews chapter 5, and we will close with a word of prayer. A good and gracious God, thank you for the sacrifice that was made uh, on our behalf by our high priest. Uh, Thank you for the salvation which you have been given to, which you have given to us. Uh, Help us to yearn for you when we feel lost, when, when it doesn't make sense, help us to return and reset to the beginning to your promises and build, build again off that. And may we always yearn for that which is good, do that which is good, and avoid that which is evil so that others may see your goodness working in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, everybody, have a wonderful day. Stay very safe. Take good care of yourselves. And we will see you next week.